0: In the last podcast, I was talking to Maura Johnson about how things get disappeared, how music vanishes. It's something a lot more people have been talking about because we're seeing with the dissolution of Grantland and various things that have happened to me, as there is increased real concentration where the remaining independent voices or even projects within massive corporations are shut down or are either so tied to the creative team that you know brought it about that that team can then walk and exit the company with all the juice they built online and just go somewhere else. What's going to happen out of this immediately is that everybody who submits something for publication on any website, whether it be media or writing, whatever it is, they're going to be forced to sign non-comps and non-disclosure agreements that are going to be totally punitive. That's already been happening. It's been happening at Pitchfork since you know, the last six, seven years. Pitchfork deleted all my material when I pointed out to them that they have no basis legally to maintain publication of my content. And as much as everyone might lament what's going to happen to all of the great Grantland pieces, let's talk about what happens to music. This is a primal content, music, uh, film. These are the things we react to to create the bullshit content that gets the ads sold for all these websites. For whatever reason, this week, I had some sort of memory or reminder emotionally that I needed to get back with My Bloody Valentine's Reunion record, MBV, and spend more time with it. I missed it somehow. And just two and a half years out from when that record was released, it's already painfully obvious how hard it is to listen to MVV if you're a convenience-based music listener. You know, I've got my iPhone and I've got Spotify and I've got Dropbox and other things, sure, and I could cache this record, but this record was released without any regard for the profit-based media economy. They put it up on YouTube. They didn't make it available on any streaming service. You can't get it on iTunes. You can't get it on Spotify. You were supposed to buy it from them and download it. That is a death sentence for music today. Music can no longer be static. It has to be accessible within the stream. I don't think we've really been urged to confront what that means yet, because most of the music that gets put out on Bandcamp or by indie bands that gets passed around on SoundCloud and is part of the Twitter conversation for that week, most of this music, nobody is tearing their hearts out to get it back. They really loved it, you know, for that like three week period after it came out. When new music only exists in the sense that it's part of a a living consensus, the way it does on Twitter, the way it is talked about, the way it becomes a social context for everyone to keep talking to each other, music is secondary in that situation. So when I put on MBV and I just spent the whole week listening to it on repeat, this record's going to disappear. You didn't think that could happen again. And it doesn't appear that Kevin Shields has any interest in helping the current economy of music get access to his work. He just straight up does not fucking care about the things that are being used to evaluate music in the current digital economy. That is a huge fucking victory. He is taking a stand from a point of massive popular status. This is what it looks like if I don't give a shit about the way that you in your laziness and your passive, accretive attitude toward music are limiting yourselves, limiting your experience of music. If you don't care, then my record doesn't exist for you. And so it's up to the people who do care, who actually say, you know, this is hard to get, but it's fucking phenomenal. So whatever it takes, I'm going to find a way to make that convenient for me so I can continue to live with this album because this album fucking matters to me. It's a really strong filter against people who have a very casual, social, anecdotal attitude toward and relationship with music or people who use music, whether it's the artist or the, you know, the journalist responding to it, they use music as a way to just say whatever they want to say. And they choke music to fucking death to make it fit into this stupid fucking dialogue. If if you're forced by the nature of the conduct of the musician to only talk about the music, mm, you're kind of fucked, aren't you? You can't show me a record released in the last three years that can touch MBV, but you're neither going to be able to show me at any point in the last three years since February 2013 that anyone has fucking talked about MBV. It's disappeared. The other side of that coin, Ride. Label Mates with My Buddy Valentine, back in the 90s, coming up on the 25th anniversary of Nowhere, their debut album, which really was the Nevermind the Bullocks of Shoegaze because half the songs had already been released and it was such a ridiculous situation that they even made a statement about it and we're like, well, all these songs were recorded at the same time, so they were supposed to be an album, and we just didn't have enough money to release an album, so we did it in EPs and then we did the album. We're not trying to screw you out of your money, you know, I, I don't really think Creation cared about any of that shit. I'm sure Ride did, but you know, they went along with the ride of uh you know being on creation. And it's so annoying now that it has fucking ride nowhere written on the cover. It's not supposed to. It didn't originally. So look at how Ride's promoting this album. They have Robert Smith who if he's done nothing else over the last fifteen years, he's proven that he has like irreversible hearing damage. First you look so strong. First, have him release some kind of remix which is an atrocity of just immeasurable standards the, the drums have been reduced to like the driest possible signal response they must have given him the original tracks to dick around with and it's like it basically sounds like he just put everything through a fucking boss delay pedal which is something he used to love to do they've let this guy just like take a huge beer shit on their biggest single But, but it's sort of a full circle thing because Robert Smith and The Cure had reached out to Ride when they were coming up and said, you guys are fucking great. You're amazing. You're what we had hoped pop music would turn into, you know, as we did Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me and Disintegration and all this stuff. And they offered him a slot to come on tour with them. And then Alan McGee was like, no, that's not good enough. And they fucking didn't go on tour with The Cure when they toured Wish because the opening slot wasn't long enough. Because they only offered him 30 minutes or something. I mean, that is the height of fucking stupidity. If Ride had gone on the Cure's North American tour for Wish as an opening act and played two songs a night, they would have sold probably like five million albums, you know, that year. But no, they wanted a better opportunity or something or they took themselves too seriously or they thought, I don't want to get stuck under the reputation of having been blessed and and, and just ushered along by Robert Smith and The Cure, who were such an old guard fucking, you know, haggard band. Um, Whatever the reason, they decided to go out and fucking Black Crows. I mean, just they did the dumbest shit you could imagine. And then they got obsessed with Americana and they tried to be a fucking Laurel Canyon band. I mean, it was a fucking nightmare what happened to Ride in terms of how many wrong turns they took. But, you know, now now that slate's cleaned. Every time I walk you home You say you just want to be alone Nobody cares about, you know, Tarantula, Carnival Light, all this awful fucking crap they did during Britpop because in America, everybody remembers the Great White Shark on the fucking Today Forever EP, which was in America, the Vapor Trail single. It's like the best sleeve to any release of music ever. It's fucking perfect. Vapor Trail is an enduring song. It's, it's a just like heaven. It's, it's a fucking killing moon. It's all that shit. And, and then at the time, it had unbelievably strong B-sides tagged to it with Sennin and Unfamiliar and all these other great songs. Ride were kind of like overripe with good ideas and good material. The idea that Ride's going to be reduced to this blurry, you know, ultra shoegaze semi-compilation debut album in nowhere is sort of irritating because it puts them way too close to like, you know, the slow dive thing. It makes them too blurry and too jangly and too breathy when the most important part of Ride to me is that they actually managed to create an evolutionary next step as a shoegaze band in going blank again. It's a record that reaffirms the fact that Shoegaze was about, as Alan McGee said repeatedly, th- this blend of rock and psychedelia, which you couldn't do affordably without effects pedals. It got real easy to make like blurry, you know, The Verve and all this other stuff, in Ride challenged themselves, and they were like 20 years old. It's fucking crazy that they were like, we don't want to take the easy option and become Revolver, you know, one of the bands that was just a fucking facsimile of them. Um, you know created by major label just to, tell you that I'm lost in you. just to hear you say my name an they wanted to Make an evolutionary step creatively and artistically, and they did Going Blank again, and it's fucking nuts. You have like face on radio pop hits and Twisterella, <laughs> and then you have these just massive unending cure jams you know an ox4 and and in you know leave them all behind which was sort of nicely actually reducible to a single um your time machine which is fucking just a great straight ahead you know heavy thick bass you know run it's not like nowhere it's not blurry and and reverb drenched going blank again is a very dry album comparatively and it's a very experimental album and, and the songs aren't all really that appealing to somebody who's come to this band from nowhere that's that's about the only moment of boldness that you can really point to in all of shoegaze The only moment of boldness that wasn't a complete fucking catastrophe. If you want to talk about like when Primal Scream went Delta Blues or whatever the fuck they were doing. And, you know, any of these other bands like Chapter House, whatever. Every shoegaze band just ate shit on their second album. Except Ride. There's something to be said for that. In terms of the way themes and history are forgotten and not presented properly and carried through to future generations. This is a huge fucking mistake, and I can see it coming. Rides getting sold as a blurry, cuddly band, and they weren't. They were a fucking rock band. You know, they were really fucking expansive and, and tight as shit live. They're accepting this remarketing of their debut for its 25th anniversary along these like completely basic American informed lines. They're, they're, just eating it up to thank america for keeping their band alive because yeah the press in the uk was just shitting all over shoegaze and doesn't that suck but the fact that americans kept it alive doesn't mean that you have to fucking retcon history or to box yourself into into such a small definition in denial of the fact that you were really creative and driven to do different things and you failed so dramatically to accomplish those things first time Ride went through the reissue, repackage, reevaluate exercise in 2003, I reviewed all of the material that came out in that rush for Pitchfork, which was OX4, the best of Ride, and then Waves, which was a compilation of like live sessions and outtakes that they were fond of. And there's some fucking amazing shit in there. And I'm going to republish those reviews on Medium. That whole thing, that whole exercise has already been done. And here we are, you know, 12 years later, and they're dumbing it down. They're diluting their reputation because it is so much more marketable to stick to the fucking thin, reverb-drenched shoegaze shit. And they're one of the only shoegaze bands who should not be reduced along these lines and should be remembered in all their awkward, you know, fucking gushing, failed trajectory glory. These are poisonous mistakes that are going to infect the legacy of this band. The last thing I could have ever hoped for was that Ride would be consigned to a fucking shoegaze box set. They are so much more than that.